All right, all right, all right. I'm Joe Turner, and this is the City Manager Unfiltered Podcast, a podcast for city managers and other public sector executives. And this week, I want to talk about housing affordability, interest rates, mobility for city managers, and what impact the housing market is having on recruitments. Last week, I received two messages and back-to-back days from city managers who were expressing frustration about housing costs and interest rates and how it's impacting their job search. And I figured this would be a good time to unpack that discussion, especially in light of the fact that I've just recently moved down to Florida to pursue a new opportunity. And I'm going through some of these issues myself. And it's uh, and it's an interesting time. It's an interesting time to be thinking about changing jobs because the fact of the matter is that for many individuals out there, for most people in this country, their homes are their most important, most valuable asset. And in many respects, for city managers, the home is our greatest liability, right? It's often an albatross around our necks. It limits us. It, it provides friction points for when we want to think about moving to new opportunities. And it's a big issue. In fact, a buddy of mine, a Lafayette, Oregon city manager, Brandon Dross, he's uh, frustrated by housing. He's, he's kind of sworn off the idea of even owning a house because of the frustrations he has around the housing market and how volatile this occupation is. And he went through a recent experience when he started his city management career. He had to sell a house shortly after he bought it. Uh, It's expensive to get in and out of real estate. And so it's something we really have to think about and consider and ponder when we're looking at future job opportunities and evaluating our options, right? Like what is the justification from, or not justification, what does it take to justify jumping from one position to another? And how do you quantify that in any meaningful way uh, before making that leap. So we're going to talk about that today in this episode. But before we do that, I'd like to take care of some housekeeping items. I was recently invited to be a guest speaker by the Northeast Government Executives Council, NEGEC, by Sean Glavin. And during that event, I announced that I am now working as the Assistant County Administrator for Walton County, Florida. Walton County, Florida is located in the Panhandle. If you're familiar with the Panhandle, it's the county in between Destin and Panama City Beach. I'm really excited to be here. It's an excellent opportunity for me for career growth. I will probably get into a a more lengthy discussion at a later date as for why I decided to come down here, what my thought processes were, uh, my evaluation of the opportunity, and so forth and so on. Uh, But be that as it may, I'll save that for another time. I I will share with you that I am overseeing seven departments with more than 260 full-time employees. Those departments are the building department, planning and zoning, code compliance, facilities, solid waste and environmental services, beach operations, and tourism. And uh, like I said, I'm really excited. If you're not familiar with the Panhandle in Walton County, it has some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. It has white sand, they call it sugar sand beaches over here emerald, you know, turquoise water. It's just amazing. Um, It's just an amazingly beautiful area. And for me to have that as my responsibility, I mean, there's not a lot more you can ask for in this business. Uh, So it's a it's a great opportunity for me professionally. I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about the people I'm working with. And I'm four weeks into this now. This is my fourth week. And uh, things are going really well. And I'm I'm really optimistic about the future. You know, we'll see what happens. As you all know, this, this is a fickle business, and uh, tomorrow's never promised, so you never know uh, what's going to happen. But I'm really, really excited about the people I'm working with in this uh, community, this organization, uh, and uh, I'm hoping to do really good things here in, in the next several years. So that's where I'm at. I'm the Assistant County Administrator for Walton County, and uh, I will share some more details on that at a later date, uh, so stay tuned for that. 
If you want to catch the replay of the uh, webinar in which I was the guest speaker uh, at the Northeast Government Executives Council, I will have that in the show notes, so feel free to check that out. So thank you again to the Northeast Government Executives Council for giving me the opportunity to uh, address their network. Thank you, Sean Glavin. I'm looking forward to having you on the podcast at a later date to return the favor. Thank you very much. As some of you may recall in previous episodes and on LinkedIn, uh, Micah Gaudet, my buddy Micah Gaudet was a guest speaker at the Georgia City County Management Association conference this uh, past week. Uh, I'm told by him that it went really well. He had a really good time there. He had really positive feedback about his chat GPT and AI discussion. I heard that um, it was a very popular presentation, had a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz, so forth and so on. Uh, Kudos to him. And if you're not aware, uh, Micah is actually starting a local government network for AI discussions. If you're interested in learning more about AI and being part of that AI community in the public sector, I would highly encourage you to look up uh, Micah Gaudet on LinkedIn or go to civicinnovation.ai, look for his contact information and reach out to him so you can get more information about that. That's going to be pretty pretty cool, pretty exciting stuff that he's working on there. Also, an update on the James Freed situation. As you all know, I've talked about James Freed for months, either on LinkedIn or recently on the podcast. Uh, his podcast episode was an absolute banger. It's been the best performing podcast episode to date by a mile. Thousands of people have uh, downloaded that episode and uh, listened to it. It's obviously made a lot of waves in the city management profession, the city management community. Uh, in this week, the Detroit News ran a, a profile piece on James Freed where it covered the ICMA lawsuit that he's, you know, he's filing a defamation lawsuit against the ICMA. The article also covers his case before the Supreme Court involving his social media Facebook page and whether or not private citizens have the right to comment on public officials' private pages. Uh, It's a very important case that's before the Supreme Court. They're actually hearing arguments this week, and it is expected that the Supreme Court will rule on this groundbreaking case sometime next year, most likely in the June timeframe as they wrap up their session. So stay tuned for that. I would also encourage you to stay tuned for future coverage of his lawsuit against the ICMA. I'm hoping to post some more about that in the next uh, couple of weeks as that case progresses, because obviously it's not going away. And if you haven't figured out by now, uh, James Freed is uh, not going to let this thing go until he gets uh, justice. And I'm, uh, I'm excited for him. And I'm excited to be a part of uh, advocating on his behalf. All right, now that we've dispensed with the housekeeping items, let's move on to the discussion about housing and interest rates. And I'm going to read uh, two messages from two different city managers that I received last week. The first one is from John Naren. He's the city manager in Hondo, Texas, and he writes, Joe, with interest rates the way they are headed, it is going to be costly for city managers to move to new cities. I was wondering if we could start encouraging cities to build homes for city managers, basically like military housing. This will ease the transition as interest rates are going to crush us. And let's be honest, we only last four to five years at most anyway. Just a thought, as I know council expects us to buy a home and invest in the community. It really may not be an option anymore. Another city manager who will rename Nameless writes, I just listened to your latest podcast. I find a lot of job postings frustrating lately because they're simply not worth moving for. I work in a small town and I make a little bit under $100,000 and I want to advance my career and jump to a larger community, but I can't justify losing a 2.8% mortgage rate to move to a new position and assume all those risks with the way housing prices are and the way interest rates are. He doesn't explicitly ask in the message, but what he's basically saying is, what does it take to move from my current position to another position? 
So we're going to kind of delve into that discussion here. Let's first talk about city manager housing and whether or not communities will buy houses or build housing for city managers. I'm not going to get into the whole residency requirement thing. You guys know I've beat that to death numerous times. I'm not going to rehash it here. Whether or not a city builds a house or not for a city manager, it doesn't take away the fact that I'm against residency requirements and how they limit competition and limit the applicant pool. And I don't think it's just in the long term best interest of a city manager to be bound by a residency requirement. Now, obviously, if there's going to be a residence requirement, having a quality housing available for a city manager that's owned by the city uh, would be advantageous, right? Because then a city manager can essentially move into the housing and have a good quality housing stock and not really be subject to the penalties of having to move and pay the realtor fees and the closing costs and all that stuff with respect to buying and selling a home. Now, obviously, if a city manager is going to move into a city-owned home, they're also going to miss out on the appreciation benefits that come with owning real estate. But as I stated earlier, uh, a lot of the benefits of owning a house don't really, we don't really realize that, right? Because of the profession that we're in and how transient we are. So I do think that housing owned by a city for the purpose of providing it to city managers would be beneficial. I don't think many cities are going to go down that path. And I don't really think that's going to get a lot of traction, even though we can have those discussions and some might very well do it. Where I think it would have the most benefit is in places like the Silicon Valley and in super expensive places where the city could buy a piece of property, own it and care for it and make it like the like some of the larger cities have mayoral residences. Um, when I did a LinkedIn search for mayoral residences, I only came up with four. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it could be accurate. Maybe I maybe I did a bad search. But according to them, there's only four communities that provide housing for their mayors. That's Los Angeles, Detroit, Denver, and New York, New York City. So those are the only four that provide uh, mayoral residences, uh, as far as I know. I, I, I think I've recalled reading somewhere in the past about a couple of cities, maybe in California, owning homes that the city manager can live in. And I'm not sure exactly how that works out in terms of compensation and structure. But at the end of the day, I don't think many cities are going to go down that path because, frankly, it's uh, they're going to have to maintain the house, right? And not every house is going to be suitable for every uh, city manager and their family. Um, I, I, I just don't think that's the route to go down. I, I actually think I have an alternative solution that is better for both the city and the city manager, and uh, we're going to get to that now. Um, in California, it is quite common to read about situations or contracts where city managers get housing stipends uh, or low interest loans uh, for housing and so forth and so on. And I think there's ways that you can do that and make it even more advantageous for the city manager and create a benefit or, or uh, actually attract a city manager candidate uh, because it's a very powerful incentive if structured uh, correctly in my opinion. Now, we're going to get into something that's a little far off in the weeds. It's got some numbers, some math, so I hope I don't lose some of you folks. I'm not an attorney. Every state has their own rules. I'm not a, a, a tax uh, estate planner, tax expert, a certified public accountant, all those disclosures. So these are just some ideas when it comes to uh, city manager housing, how to attract a city manager, and things I think that makes sense. Now, I think my own personal situation might be a good example that we can use for a typical city manager. I think I'm a pretty good representative example of it, all right? 
So back in 2019, March of 2019 or so, I bought a home in Wichita for $265,000, okay? That home today is now worth roughly $400,000, give or take. So in this example that I'm going to use, they're not my real numbers, they're not my real interest rates, but I think they're a good represent, I think they're a good fair representation, meaning I'm not trying to paint the absolute worst case scenario. I'm trying to paint a pretty fair scenario uh, for this discussion, okay? So assume for a second that you are a city manager who financed the home to the tune of $250,000 and you had it at a rate of 3%, right? Our example was 2.8%. The city manager who wrote into me, they're using a 2.8% number. Let's use a 3% number on $250,000, that is going to be $1,054 a month in principal and interest. That's not counting your taxes, insurance, obviously all that other stuff, utilities, maintenance, and upkeep, right? So principal and interest, you're looking at $1,050 on $250,000 mortgage, finance at 3%. Now, if I want to take my same house that I have right now and buy it today, I'm looking at a roughly a $400,000 uh, purchase price. And let's just assume I'm going to finance $400,000, okay, at eight and a quarter percent, because interest rates have skyrocketed. I'm now looking at a $3,000 mortgage, $3,005, right? So my mortgage has now gone up roughly $2,000 a month or $24,000 a year. And if you're going to look at, you know, roughly an effective tax rate at 20%, give or take, You're saying that in order for me to buy the same house today that I bought five years ago, I would need to make roughly $30,000 more in gross income to justify that. And that's a very crude number. I'm not getting into state taxes, all that other stuff. Okay, we're not even getting into property taxes on the inflated value of the home uh, since then, uh, or home insurance, things of that sort of nature, right? A $250,000 house five years ago at 3%, $1,050 a month mortgage. A $400,000 house, the same house, appreciated in value today at eight and a quarter, we're talking $3,000. We're talking nearly a $2,000 increase in your monthly housing expense just on principal and interest. And so you're going to need around $30,000 just to break even on that trade, okay, on an annual basis. Second, if I want to go sell that house today at $400,000 and buy a house somewhere else for $400,000, I'm going to drop $25,000 period just on 6% on real estate fees, right? That's not counting all the other costs associated with the move. I'm not going to get into all that today. We've covered that in some episodes in the past. I've covered that in blog posts. But let's just keep it nice and simple. So now I'm looking at a $25,000 expense just on selling the house minimum. And I'm going to look at another $30,000 in revenue I got to make just to break even on where I'm at in terms of... um, housing affordability, in terms of standard of living, that sort of deal. So you're looking at having to make $30,000 more per year just to break even and stay sort of treading water, right? And that's before you even count the cost of the move with selling a house, right? Obviously, the more years you stay in the same spot, the more you can amortize that expense, right? That that 6% cost of selling your home, you can amortize that across a greater number of years and decrease that you know, annual expense if you're trying to, you know, um, figure out how long, what's your break-even point of moving from this job to another job. But here's the thing, that's a big number. $30,000, roughly speaking, just to kind of break even and tread water, that's a tough one, right? So here's the deal. 
When you have a large number like that, that really shrinks down the number of opportunities that are suitable for you as a city manager to jump from one situation to another. And we're not even talking about all the risks that come with the job change, right? I'm not going to get into that, right? But we all know that it's risky to change employers, right? You have to rebuild everything from scratch, new relationships, your, your trust, the confidence in your governing body, so forth and so on, all the unknowns, okay? And so when you have an environment where the cost of housing has increased so dramatically in such a short period of time, it really makes it difficult for city managers to move because they have to jump to an organization where the compensation benefits are either large enough to offset it and justify the move, or the situation is just so much better on intangibles or other factors that might not have anything to do with money that can help justify that move and make it worthwhile. If you are a up and coming city manager and you're trying to jump to a larger organization, they're not gonna look at you as being as competitive as a more seasoned city manager because they want someone to say with more experience and, and they wanna attract a higher quality candidate, right? Well, here's the thing, those higher quality candidates, why are they gonna make a lateral move to an organization and take a big cut financially when you factor in all the costs of housing and, and the quality of living standards and so forth and so on, when they're gonna to have to give up a 3% interest rate or a 2.8% interest rate or even a 4% interest rate to go to a new community and start over for what, the same pay? So the large cities in the, in the country that pay really well, they're not really bound by this whole dynamic, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're facing bigger issues as far as the labor pool and the quality of the pool as a, as a whole, right? The quality of the top tier applicants. Um, because they pay so much, I don't think that they, the, this dynamic of housing costs, although it has an impact, it's not the same. It's different. Where this is really going to have a big impact is in the middle tier of markets of the city management profession, when you have solid communities that are trying to attract quality talent, but yet market forces are discouraging these qualified candidates from applying because the cost of moving and changing and doing a lateral transfer is just too great. There's just not enough. The juice isn't worth the squeeze, right? Why are you going to go through that? And I think I think these, these local governments need to understand that and how the impact of the housing and mobility is impacting the labor pool and the labor supply when it comes to the city management profession. If you look at the last 50 years of 30-year mortgage rates, you will see that we're in a very unique period in time in American history. Interest rates have never risen this much in such a short period of time. Now, we've had higher interest rates, but those interest rates uh, went up more gradually over time or they weren't as big as a percentage change. Like everyone talks about like the late 70s and the early 80s when interest rates got up like 18%. Yeah, but they were seven, they were like seven and a half percent in 71 and like 18% in 81. We had roughly 2.87% interest rates uh, back in August of 2021. And now we're looking at eight and a quarter, possibly eight and a half, just a couple of years later. I mean, almost tripled. We've never had that happen before in American history. Never. That's just, it's unprecedented to my knowledge. I don't believe we've ever had anything close to this. So people are not really factoring in the, uh, when I say people, governing bodies are not really factoring in the cost of housing and how that dynamics change and how it's impacting labor supply, right? What is really fascinating to me about the interest rate and the cost of housing and housing affordability is it's happening at a time when the labor pool for professional city managers is shrinking, right? So you have an incredibly difficult market for governing bodies to find city managers. Uh, they're competing in a world where the labor is scarce 
and the market forces are discouraging mobility, discouraging people to transition to new positions to take that risk. And so city governments are going to have to start our city councils are going to have to start getting more creative in how they approach city manager recruitment when it comes to their compensation packages. And I think I have a solution or an idea of how that can be done and create a win-win scenario for both the community and the city manager. And uh, let's talk about that in more detail now. Now, it's not uncommon or unheard of for cities and city managers to reach an agreement whereby the city will provide a low interest loan to the city manager so that they can buy a home at a reduced or subsidized cost because the home values in the area are so expensive that even a city manager who's making $300,000 a year can't really get into a suitable housing um, or get into housing that is suitable for them and their family. And so what you'll see, especially in California, I've seen it quite a bit, you will have communities provide these low interest loans. Now, that's all fine and dandy, but what we're seeing now across the entire country with the way interest rates have skyrocketed over the last two years, we have this sort of stalemate in the marketplace, right? Individuals like the city manager and the question that I read earlier, they're locked into these super low interest rates. They don't want to give them up because giving them up means that their housing costs are going to skyrocket dramatically if they have to buy the same home or something more expensive at a higher interest rate. Again, we're talking, you know, sub 3% mortgages out there, and now the market's at eight and a quarter and possibly going up even higher. Um, that's a significant extra financial burden on these individuals. And so individuals who are locked in these low rates don't want to put their home on the market, and people who need to buy homes can't get a home because there's nothing available. And so what you have is city managers who are looking for positions across the country, there's not really a good suitable housing stock for them to buy a home, right? The, the supply is low. So how can cities become more attractive or how can cities make themselves more attractive uh, to city manager candidates? Well, I think we need to start looking at uh, compensation incentive packages that are either interest only or no interest uh, loans to city managers so that they can get into homes at a reduced cost, okay, and justify the expense. It's going to lure them to sell their house where they're at now and jump to these other organizations, okay? So we have cities that are doing low interest loans, and those loans are amortized over 30 years usually, right? A 360, uh, uh, 360 payments are for a 30-year loan, uh, for a 30-year mortgage amortization table. But we all know that 30-year amortization schedules are bogus, right? I mean, the idea is that you have this 30-year mortgage so that you can have a lower interest rate. But the reality is, is how many city managers are going to be in a home for 30 years? That's not going to happen. Most people don't stay in a home. I think the last time I looked at it, the average uh, length of a home tenure was like seven years, right? And we're talking about across the nation. Now, you throw in the fact that you have city managers that are in an extremely volatile profession where they're getting bounced every three to five years, maybe seven if you're lucky, right? I mean, if you make it 10 years, you're like the gold standard of being someplace for a while. So um, we are obviously at higher risk. And so a 30-year mortgage makes no sense, right? And especially when you throw in the fact that you have cities that want this residence requirement. Again, I'm not going to rehash it, but every time we have to sell a house, we're taking a 6% hit minimum, minimum. So it's like, imagine you bought some stock on the, uh, on the New York Stock Exchange today. And I said, well, in order for you to sell that stock tomorrow, you're going to have to pay 6%. I mean, that's that's unheard of. Right. That's it's, it's I mean, not in today's market. That's just ridiculous. I mean, you can sell stock, buy, buy uh, stocks and on the New York Stock Exchange and other places 
for a fraction of that cost, right? So how do you get these uh, how do you get these city managers who are locked in low interest rate loans to want to sell their house and move to your community? I think it's through um, either zero percent interest loans or interest only loans, right? And again, because let's talk about that 30 year mortgage and how when you look at the first five years, it's front loaded with interest. And so you're essentially throwing your money away as a city manager. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about on the 30-year amortization table, right? If you have a $400,000 home that you want to purchase and you want to finance that $400,000 at eight and a quarter over 30 years, you're looking at a $3,000 a month payment. Do you know how much of that $3,000 a month goes to principal versus versus interest? I'm going to give you a second to think about it. $3,000 a month payment, how much is actually going to paying down your principal? Would you be shocked if I told you it's only $255 in that first payment? You're going to go a whole year. You're going to, in year one of your mortgage, you will pay $36,000 a year, right, for that mortgage expense. And at the end of that year, only $3,200 or so will have gone to paying down principal. That means $33,000 literally just went into the ether to pay interest on a 30-year mortgage that you don't need, that's not going to be valuable to you, Right. Let's fast forward that to five years. After five years of making $3,000 a month payments, right? You're going to make a total of $180,000 worth of payments. $180,000 over five years on a $400,000 house. And you know how much you paid off in principal? You only have $18,900. Let's just call it $19,000 in principal paid off. So you basically threw away $161,000 in interest over five years because you got a 30-year mortgage in order to keep your interest in order to keep your monthly payment low but for what to be a city manager in a position where you might be there for 5 years max it makes no sense so see i think cities need to start getting creative about offering interest only or again 0% interest loans a 0% interest loan would basically just take the the $400,000 and divide it by 360 payments if you do that that's only $1,100 a month, $1,111 a month versus paying $3,000. So you're saving $2,000 a month odd interest. The great thing about that is if a city was to do a 0% interest loan, that extra $2,000 a month that you're saving on interest is not taxable, I don't think. At least I don't think it's taxable. I'm not, again, I'm not an expert on this, consult tax professionals, whatever, but that is like interest-free income, right? Because you're borrowing the money at 0%. And that is basically giving you an income bump without actually counting as taxable income on your W-2. But let's just say that the city doesn't want to do a 0% interest, which I think they should consider doing because I just think that's, I mean, why not? It's a perk. It's a benefit to try to attract talent. And the, uh, the, the municipality is not going to be having, the municipality who's loaning you money at 0% interest, it ain't like they have the money in, the, in, the, in a CD that's earning 8%. So their real cost is not 8% at all. Their cost is much lower. It's a fraction of that, generally speaking. 0% interest, $1,100 a month versus $3,000. You're basically saving $2,000 a month. That's a huge benefit. Now, think about this for a second. What if you're with the city for five years and you have that $1,100 a month payment? Well, 100% of that payment is going to principal, right? So you've now paid off over $66,000 in principal with that $1,100 a month payment. You could theoretically have a city give you a 0% interest loan 
and still make the 30 year payment, right? The 30 year, uh, 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 30 year mortgage payment of $3,000 a month. And what you can do is simply have that extra uh, $2,000 a month have to be paid back to the city, but have it count 100% towards the principal so that the principal is getting paid down even sooner and that their risk is decreasing. Imagine if the city said, hey, okay, what we're going to do is we don't feel comfortable giving you a 0% interest loan, but we're going to give you a loan based on what our 90-day CD rate is and whatever that might be, and we're going to make it interest only. Okay, so imagine, I don't know, I'm not going to look up what the 90-day CD is, or maybe it's, you know, 4% or something. Let's just call it 5% for simplicity's sake, okay? So the city says, you know what, we don't feel comfortable giving you a 0% interest loan, but we're going to give you a 5% loan interest only. Let's just say the company doesn't feel comfortable giving you a 0% loan, but they feel okay giving you a loan that's based off of the CD rate that they're getting, right? So they're not really losing money. They say, okay, we're going to give you a 5% low interest 5% loan. But okay, what if you make it an interest only loan? And an interest only loan is can be super attractive because you're getting rid of the the horrors of the 30 year front end interest on the amortization table and you're going to save a lot of money and let's just check out the math this way. So again, we're going to use 5% as an example on a $400,000 mortgage, okay? In year 1 on a 5% mortgage, low interest mortgage, right? Interest only you're going to pay $20,000 in interest in year one. If you recall back in the earlier example I gave for year one on an eight and a quarter amortization schedule, right? I said that you're going to make $36,000 in payments and only have $3,200 in, in principal pay down to show for it. So imagine if you had a $400,000 loan at 5% interest only, you're going to pay $20,000 in interest to the city that leaves you another $16,000 of pure principal pay down that you can now put towards that mortgage. That $16,000 is a hell of a lot more attractive to me than that $3,200 on a 30-year amortization schedule. So when you look at the idea of doing a low interest or an interest-only loan, or a 0% interest, obviously, not only are you getting the massive savings by not being screwed on the front end with the amortization table where it's front-loading that 30 years of worth of interest that you don't need over the first 5, 10 years of the loan, right? You're also saving money on origination fees that you don't need to pay by going to a lender, which again is another benefit. So to go back and summarize, if you were able to get a $400,000 0% interest loan from your community that wants you to live in their city limits, right, to buy a house... Instead of throwing away $161,000 a year on interest at an eight and a quarter percent using the, the current market rates, you could effectively save $161,000 and I believe it'd be tax free over five years. I'm talking about, right? So, over five years, you're going to save about four, almost $35,000 a year uh, on interest, and that's added income into your household uh, as a result. I think that's pretty sexy, and I think it's a win win. For the city and for the city manager and i think if cities want to start recruiting talent and understand the market forces that are in play that are discouraging city managers from relocating i think they need to start getting really creative about the incentives they're willing to offer these city managers especially with respect to housing which is our largest expense and it's our biggest risk when it comes to relocation i think we need to spend more time educating elected officials about the risk and costs associated with city managers and the transient nature the volatility of this job and the risk we incur if a city wants you to move within their city limits they need to understand that on an average price house nowadays it's going to cost you twenty five thousand dollars just to sell it 
So why shouldn't the city absorb some of that risk on behalf of the city manager, since that's the expectation they have, especially when they're absorbing a risk that's at very minimal cost to them, right? If they do a low interest loan, like I said, that's equal to what the CD rate is, they're not losing any money. It's not costing them anything at all. But yet it's making a huge difference in the risk profile for you as a city manager. And on top of that, think about how attractive, I mean, if a low interest rate loan is attractive to a home buyer. Think about how attractive an interest only is or a 0% interest rate is to a city manager. You want to talk about incentivizing and aligning goals and interests, right? When it comes to a city manager performance, if you're getting a 0% loan on a home, think of how powerful that is in terms of increasing your net worth in your household, your financial well-being, and think about what kind of <laughs> what kind of incentive that is for you to be the best city manager you can be. I mean, I think we're always incentivized to do well because obviously we don't wanna be fired or have to relocate and uproot our families. But man, you if you are a city that doesn't really feel comfortable paying an exorbitant salary or don't feel like you can compete on raw dollars when it comes to salary, being able to offer a 0% interest home loan, that is an incredibly attractive and lucrative benefit that is, I just think a win-win and something to consider. You know, I spend my entire time on the podcast almost talking exclusively about city managers and, and public sector executives. And so that's where my focus is. But don't think that you can't take this uh, idea and apply it to employee incentives to recruit public safety officials, whether it's police officers, firefighters, paramedics, staff retention, uh, rank and file employees. It's a very powerful inducement. When you start, if you really sat down and start punching the numbers, uh, I'm a finance guy, so I, I, this is old hat to me. But for some of you who don't really have a finance background, if you really started putting pen to paper and start breaking out that calculator, that mortgage calculator, and figuring out how powerful it is to provide somebody with um, access to capital at very low rates, it's a powerful inducement. I mean, you, you, there's so many strategies you can use on this when it comes to employee benefits and retention, when it comes to economic development. There's just a lot of exciting things you can do as a community if you understand the power of being able to provide access to capital at a really low rate or a really low cost. I mean, it's just a powerful, powerful uh, inducement. Uh, I don't think a lot of people understand uh, how uh, access to capital works. I don't think a lot of people understand the costs associated with acquiring capital, the carrying costs of having capital when it comes to a home builder building homes, uh, a speculator uh, flipping homes, so forth and so on. If you're able to fully wrap yourself around the idea of access to capital and the cost of accessing capital, it's really going to, I think, open up your mind to a whole different uh, opportunities. If interest rates continue to stay high, which I think they will for the foreseeable future, then cities are going to have to get creative and inventive by necessity as a result of the market dynamics in order to lure talent and secure city managers in the future. I just don't think there's any way to get around this. Um, the reality is, is that home ownership for city managers can be a tremendous financial liability. It can be an obstacle. It can be a tremendous hurdle for individuals to relocate from one opportunity to the next. And the reality is, is that as city councils and elected officials across the country want residency requirements to be in effect, then they're going to have to start mitigating the risk of those residency requirements. And I think the way you mitigate those risks is by offering up these powerful incentives. I got to tell you, if you gave me the option of uh, having a 0% loan on a house versus uh, being able to live outside the city limits, 
I'm going to take the 0% interest loan. I just think the compounding effect of being able to live in a home without paying interest on a mortgage and the principal pay down is so powerful to be able to leverage that is it is literally a game changer with respect to a city manager's uh, financial well-being. And I think it's just incumbent upon us as uh, city managers uh, to start educating elected officials about these risks, about the costs associated with home ownership, and about how it's in their best interest to acquire talent and align interests, right? Align incentives, align performance with this creative benefit, this creative approach to to solving the home ownership challenge that many of us face. So I'm Joe Turner. This is City Manager Unfiltered, a podcast for city managers and other public sector executives. Uh, please hit that subscribe button. Please hit the follow button. If you have not left a review or a rating, please do so today. And thank you for your support. Until next time, see you later. Thank you.